everybody welcome to another bald move tv i'm your host aaron i'm jim uh and this is again of, of course the officially unofficial podcast for all of television but yet this summer it continues to collapse into the singularity known as sharp objects uh we are talking about sharp objects episode three entitled fix uh jim what did you think of this uh, episode of sharp objects uh i thought this was maybe the most affecting episode yet mm. i i got to the end of this episode and i felt very uneasy very disturbed very depressed uh all the things that this show was trying to do to me <laughs> succeeded and that's yeah. the mark of a good show in my opinion that's kind of why i come to this show at this point like yeah. there, there's a place in my life for feeling really shitty right and this show really scratches that itch yeah, like, I don't know if this show will turn into some kind of a horror film, but I felt like I felt appropriate amounts of horror in this episode. Like, Camille, I mean, the girl drinking Drano and throwing <laughs> her guts up, which I was skeptical that that is that. But I guess, yeah, you don't want to drink Drano. Drinking Drano God, is just no. a terribly bad idea that that will will kill you in a slow enough way that you'll wish you had picked another method. And it sounds so appealing, too, because it's about cleaning out pipes, right? right so you're right, like, oh, my exactly. esophagus is a pipe. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it'll clean, it'll clean it out. It'll, 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 it'll clean your right out, straighten out all those kinks in your digestive <laughs> system. Yeah. Uh, and then you get to the end where there's this kind of like, you know, they're playing around with like the ghost. Uh, you see something in the road and it's not there. And then, oh, my God, it's behind you. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's a ghost. Uh, you think it's all in Camille's head? I think I, I think so, and I'm like I wonder because the thing is, as I realize, I don't know a lot about like hardcore alcoholism to the point like Camille is is suffering from it. And, you know, it's like how how much of that uh, Dumbo pack, uh, Technicolor pachyderm stuff is? I mean, that's got to be exaggerated. But can you see start seeing things if you're like I, a long term alcohol functional alcoholic? It, I mean, I maybe maybe if you're like. An, an actual alcoholic i've drank so much that i've blacked out but i definitely haven't like seen things in the process but maybe the long-term effects are different from the short-term binge effects i saw a lanky man dressed up as batman screaming in my face once when i got <laughs> well, that actually hammered. happened oh it did yeah, oh shit I hate to okay. tell you that oh, was real all right all right well whoo whoo <laughs> Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I don't know, because the other thing the, is she's she's crazy. She's like cracking. She's losing oh, her yeah. grip on reality. She's starting to see hallucination, waking hallucinations. And that's, yeah. you know, it, it, you're just talking about like the Alice stuff, right? Like the thing that her memories are kind of bleeding into right. her yeah. present yeah, yeah. in a way that we've seen, you know, from the very beginning of the show. And, and, and that's what I've always like. Are these just kind of reveries her actually? you know remembering things things being triggered experiencing deja vu but this felt different like she slammed on the brakes this isn't just like you know oh i'm thinking of alice and you know here's the woman right. like it's it, it felt different like this is either super supernatural or she is losing her mind um and honestly i guess i could i'd buy both or if they leave it ambiguous that would be kind of cool too yeah no i, I really love that that last montage i guess of her you know discovering alice's body mm. and cutting her own wrists mm. and like there's it's just so messy mm -hmm. you know it's it's not like this very vivid memory that she has it's like a fragment of a memory right being triggered by fragments of other memories right. and it's 
I don't know. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. Really well made. Yeah. Before we get into this episode of Sharp Objects, really do a deep dive, really dig into it. Um, sh- we should talk about some housekeeping. That's what we do. Uh, I'm really butchering the housekeeping. I needed to do some pre-housekeeping keep housekeeping <laughs> to clean, clean up the mental clutter here. Uh, what are we doing? We're doing uh, Game of Thrones Season 3, Summer Rewatch. It's been a lot of fun. Game of Thrones Season 3 is really good, y'all. It is. Uh, having a, uh, a good time working our way through that. Uh, also, we're getting real soon to Better Call Saul Season 4. That comes out the first week of August. Uh, we are going to be doing a podcast for it next week. If you'd like to send us uh, a preview podcast, if you'd like to send us some pre-Season uh, 4 speculation and any other kind of feedback, send that to bettercastsaul at baldmove.com. We'll probably consider it on the air. Uh, also having a strong run of first-run movies. Uh, Cecily and I just took in Mama Mia 2. Uh, last week, that was a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the original, I'm sure you'd like that, too. Uh, and then Jim and I are going to be seeing Mission Impossible Fallout. I don't think we're going to get to it this week. We'll probably get to it next week because we're going to be doing a lot of travel this week. Uh, also, don't forget, you can see us on Twitch TV uh, every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Jim and I hang out, play video games, and talk with the chat. It's a lot of fun. Uh, last 20, 30 minutes or so, my son has get, been getting on. We're doing some father-son streaming. Uh, that's cool. Twitch.tv slash baldmove. Also, book.baldmove.com. we got 16 days left in a promotion. We just announced some stretch goals, including a whole additional volume you can get for free, uh, upgraded art, and audiobook uh, stretch goals. Uh, check out book.baldmove.com. Again, this is uh, the, religious, uh, the Game of Thrones religion book that I wrote with a religious, uh, comparative religious scholar. Uh, I'm really excited about it. If you want to get in on the early stuff, check out book.baldmove.com. Uh, where do we want to begin? Uh, there's so much to dig into. There's Adora being terrible. There's Emma being terrible. <laughs> there is the police chief and the detective's relationship. There is... Uh-huh. What the hell is Emma doing to little pigs? Uh, there's Camille's investigation. What where, do You got a, a, a point you want to start? There's the police chief, or not the police chief, the foreign cop let's call him yeah uh his Willis, investigation what you talking about yeah uh i guess i want to i really want to talk about amma okay because amma is viscerally dislikable in this episode she is <laughs> to me anyway she is uh the way that that last uh scene with her plays out where they find you know the pack of teenagers finds uh camille and the cop together mm-hmm. uh after hours and she's just the worst mm-hmm. in that scene and I, I don't. I, I've known people like this. People uh-huh. who, when you're alone with them, uh-huh. will be totally cool, totally uh-huh. normal. They'll they'll act like reasonable human beings. Right. And when you get them in a situation where they're trying to impress people, or if they're a little or, under the influence, of or under the influence, then they become entirely different people and and really just shitty human beings. Right. And that's what Emma does in this scene. And so I felt that very strongly. Do you, I agree, and, like, I think that, like, even one-on-one with her and Camille, it was kind of boundary-crossing and gross. Sure, Um, But I wonder, I mean, I don't don't want to make it seem like I'm defending Emma, but I also wonder how much of that acting out she was doing in that final, uh, you know, thing in in the parking lot was due to her sister being a massive hypocrite again. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh... Camille goes into her old sister's bedroom and sees the hospital, which that kind of clarifies things for me. Like, I was wondering if it's something acute 
or if it was like a long-term thing, the fact that they have a hospital bed and IV and all that stuff does seem to indicate it was like some kind of long-term deterioration. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in there and, and she sees something disturbing that she can't handle and she spooks and then runs from the house. But she tells Emma that even though she's experiencing the same trauma and stuff, that you can't do those things. And also, she's not. She's also lying to I think Emma and Willis about the things she did, like. She's confessed to hanging out in parking lots and talking to boys. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows that there's a hell of a lot more that went on than that. Yeah. Um, but so I think maybe Emma is reacting to the falseness. Um, like she's drunkenly trying to, you know, appeal to her sister. I think also there's a little bit of, of uh, Camille like being pissed that her sister threw her under the bus. Or, like, played the victim, like, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just wonder how much of that is her not... Because de- she's, she's what, 15, 14, 15 years old, and she's dealing with her sister coming back and telling her a whole bunch of pack of lies and trying to enforce her, her mom's <laughs> rigid hierarchy, and she's just not having it. So when she gets a chance to, like, bust her and turn the tables on her, she takes full advantage of it and is a complete asshole about it. I mean, Camille's defense here should be, I, I'm an adult. Yeah. And I changed my mind, and right. I decided to go out. So fuck you, little kid. Right, 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 right. You're a 15-year-old girl. Oh, by the way, which 15-year-old girls have been murdered here recently sure. several times. Sure. So get back in bed. <laughs> um, but I think the point, like, would what would 15-year-old Camille do? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like one of those things where, I mean, that's the hard part about watching a child grow up. Uh, if you're in a family, is like, you know, you can kind of see these trends and and tendencies kind of come out in them and it reminds you of yourself and mm-hmm. um the other thing i noticed is when she was in her sister's bedroom or not uh, when camille and Emma when Emma came home and she's helping her you know stumble home she ran into the glorious garden etc um when she's lying in her sister's bed Emma's legs are like hella covered in bruises yeah and not like lower leg knees like skating injuries but she's got some pretty sizable bruises over her thighs i wonder what that's all about I don't know. I guess I noticed that too, and I guess I was tr- I was chalking that up to like, you know, just being out in the woods, yeah. partying, being drunk, yeah. probably falling down or something. I don't know. Yeah, but there could be more to it. Yeah, I, because I I just I don't know. And there's that like very ominous like my friends will do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, Emma in my mind has moved near the top of the suspect list. Mm. For the the murders of the girls, so this is like Mean Girls to yeah. the extreme. Yeah, pretty much. Interesting. Uh, just the way she's acting here. I I mean, who would be if the show is trying to tell us? Oh, everybody thinks it's a man, and so yeah. it must be a woman. Who would be even less likely? A girl, a young young woman. Yeah. So. Right. I. Yeah, that's interesting because it ties in last week to her friends kind of cattle remarking yeah. like it's not the whatever girls that get they get murdered. It's you the know, losers. It's yeah, the, it's it's the ones that don't, aren't in on the in group, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because John is part of that in group. I mean, there's there's a couple things that I think I think I like that theory, but like there's a couple things I don't understand. Like it seems like if maybe Emma and her little girlfriends were running around murdering people, that someone like John would know, mm-hmm. or like I mean, they're notoriously terrible at keeping secrets too. Teenage girls, yeah, teenage you would, anyone you would think so, honestly. But John is broken up and i don't know why i mean i get it look his sister's dead uh that might explain it (laughs) that that might explain it all but in a show like this i feel like it doesn't totally explain it especially because they don't have their story straight Mm -hmm. you know and and it could just be a case um when in that scene with ashley which 
by the way, I knew when Ashley said, hey, I'm going to make sure John's ready for you, she was going to fuck him. Oh. <laughs> and then she shows up in that cheerleader outfit, and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I, She's man. in the spirit, all right. Their relationship is just really weird because, like, uh-huh. I feel like John has his barely concealed contempt and rage about everything around it, and just mm-hmm. Ashley is just like, you know, oh, it's nothing. You don't mean that. Blah blah blah. Here, look at me, in my cheerleader suit. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but but I, they just definitely don't line up with their their accounts of that night, and right. I think it's because Ashley is trying to protect him and give him an alibi. You know, hmm. um, whereas. You know, John doesn't want her involved in this at all because she didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, but it's possible that there's a cover-up going on there, too. Yeah, I wondered if we want to talk about the John interview. Um, I thought it was odd. It made me think that Camille's maybe not great at her job. Because I don't think... I, she sat there and was like, hey, I just want to get uh, to tell the story of your sister and get an accurate portrayal. Your alibi doesn't check out. Yeah. Like, there's no attempt made to, like, build him up or gain his trust or do anything. It's just, like, all... And I feel like she's been that way with a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. there is no effort to, like... I mean, maybe it's, like, a, a rejection of her mother's obvious self-interested interest. Um, and yeah. she just can't be, like, that meandering. But holy shit, if you're... Your boss is telling you to do that. Get personal. Get these details out. Tell the story to America. Make it sympathetic. And she is just lasering in on the most uncomfortable things. I again, is is she good at her job? She's terrible at her job. I don't. I'm not a jur- investigative journalist myself. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. The the duo of Emma and you said the cop's name is Willis. Yeah, uh, that duo. They're both kind of approaching it. They're each envious of the others. I guess research methodology, right? Like mm. the cop is out there actually looking for physical clues because that's all he can do. The town won't let him in. Right. Uh, Emma is supposed to be there telling the emotional story of this case. Right. And I think together, you know, your powers combined kind of thing, they could crack this thing. Yeah. And that's what the cop is trying to get her to do is reveal that, that history of the town and the, the, the emotional state of the people, the, the, you know, the, the feuds, the, the loves, all, all those kinds of things. Um, I want to, before we move completely off of John, uh, I want to talk about, you mentioned something about Ashley vouching for his alibi. You think that's, cause, cause I thought they did a really good job of playing that right down the middle where I couldn't, yeah. from both of their reactions, I couldn't explore, I couldn't tell whether John was trying to protect her, I guess, reputation about town mm-hmm. or because the thing is, is like, it feels like they're just living back there in that carriage house, fucking, you know, DTF 24 seven, very little parental supervision. So like, <laughs> would that be a big deal? Or is it the under, is it like some kind of weird understanding? Like just, you know, keep it under wraps kids. And I don't know where, where the fuck are the parents? I don't know where the parents are. Uh, do you think that Mrs. Gr- uh, Keen threw Claire out because of the the reaction to the article where she had these intimate details of Natalie's room and because like there was that uh, scene prob- of her probably. violently throwing her out of her house, yeah. And I wasn't sure where all that. I mean, it could just be like I wouldn't want to talk to any reporters after my kid had been murdered. Like I think that's hell. I think that's hell. Yeah. Uh, being forced to like trot your grief out with it, and then, then I've never I've never seen a journalist give these interviews where they seem like sincere. Or it's it's always just like these worst the worst people in heavy makeup and fancy clothes shoving mics and cameras in your right. face and trying to provoke you into some kind of bullshit reaction. Mm-hmm. So fuck all that. I'm I'm on kind of <laughs> on her side. Uh, but, but they do make it clear that the people in the town have read her piece. On yeah, it. 
yeah. the cops, you know, talking about how now everybody's going to want their 15 minutes. Uh, they're they're going to be making up stories. The truth is going to be even harder to find. Which is probably true. Yeah. In these, like in a small town like this, I I think so because the fifteen minutes of fame don't don't come that that often. I wouldn't I wouldn't think. No, they're they're making the Willis to out to be like an actual good cop. You know, he doesn't immediately jump to conclusions. He's right. looking for actual evidence. He understands the psychology of these types of things. Right. Uh, he's he's much better than the chief. Although the, I have to say that the chief in this town has started to come around a little bit. You know, he's he's not as close minded as we thought. In the beginning, yeah, because in this episode, you know, he has a discussion with foreign cop, and foreign mm-hmm. cop essentially convinces him maybe he has to start rethinking his idea on this has to be a man. Yeah, I think I think the or, chief or has to be someone you know outside of their group. I think the chief rejects the city slicker. I don't think yeah, uh, or he resents him. I don't think he resents his like ideas or implications. And the, the, mm-hmm. the other thing is like him going to talk to uh, Adora. Um. She mentioned there's concern about the her employees. I'm assuming that they never really stayed the status outright, but but uh, you know, Adora owns or is the heiress of this big hog operation. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how the chief is looking at her employees, especially ones that have been let go recently. And she says, with Marion, it seems like it's personal. Is Marion is is that the keen mother? Maybe? Or is it, or is it Bob Nash's uh, wife? Because we, I don't think we've really gotten a great. I, I don't know which one of those names it is. I don't either. Um, but it implies that there may be some bad blood because of. I mean, it makes perfect sense if you're in a small town of of trash or people that work at the hog farm, and the hog farm is the only place you can really get a, a, a job other than that in a liquor store, or maybe the convenience store. You get mm-hmm. fired from the hog farm. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. Sure, because uh, it's not like you can just go onto the next hog, hog farm and start start butchering hogs or whatever the hell you're doing uh, at the at the hog farm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big it's a big blow. I've been I've been in small towns where uh, the thing shuts down, and it's a yeah. lot of like oh my god and tears and woe is me and like what are we going to do? It's it's biblical. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about. Bob, the interview with Bob, which was infuriating because I felt like Camille was getting somewhere, and then her mom comes in and fu- oh fucking. Oh my god! First of all, Bob, what the hell, Bob? Like this woman barges in your house, and uh, you and and you are you're not done talking with her daughter, and you just completely roll over. And I guess mm-hmm. that's probably smart since she uh, she's running the town, right? Um, but what did you think about all the the the, the shit that Bob was talking? Um, I. Just about how they're singling him out, and they're not investigating John. Not just that, like, but the way he talked about his daughter, like how grown up she was, and she could talk oh, yeah. about adult stuff and have adult conversations that she, he couldn't even have with his wife. Like, hmm. I mean, if you're having adult conversations with your kids that you can't have with your spouse, like, I already feel like it's a boundary violation. How how close is he to other boundary violations? Hmm. Especially given that this town is, like, super creepy and... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's not off the suspect list by any right. means. <laughs> right. He got thrown out of the Keen House last week. Like, yep. I don't know. And this, this, like, when he goes into just out of, from no real tangent, the whole what kind of person hurts a child, I don't know. That felt oddly performative to me. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, he's he's talking about himself and his relationship with his daughter, and he just veers into that territory. I don't know. He's got DUIs and assault, but, like... 
I don't know. I feel like that's pretty annoying because, like, if a guy, you know, a guy in a small town drives drunk and he gets in a fight, that does that surely doesn't mean he's going to be a fucking child killer. No, there are plenty of people who get in fights and drive drunk and are not killing children. Right. But then he also made that really crazy statement about the women here don't kill with their hands. They talk and you're dead. Mm-hmm. And we are treated to a bunch of men like Bob Nash, for example, that's subservient to Adora. Uh, Alan and Adora's relationship, we got a little bit more of a look at this week. What'd you make of uh, their bedroom talk? Uh, where Adora says Camille makes her feel like a bad mother? Yeah. Uh, well, A, you are. You're the worst mother. Right, right. Uh, and when Alan says, you know, it tries to calm her and says you do everything you can for your children, mm-hmm. I, I start to feel for Alan in that situation. I'm like... What? How do you tell someone that you care about that they are a bad parent? I don't think he thinks she is. I think he's completely pulling her that. orbit. I agree with that, but she obviously is. And in that oh, moment, yeah. I would certainly be wanting to tell her it's it's because you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really, really are a bad parent. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way to do that with someone you care about. Right. Especially when you're in this family that this is like a normal thing. And maybe that's why it attracted you to the family dynamic in the first place. So... You know, if if you just turn to your family and be like, why am I a bad parent? And it's a family of bad parents, then... But I also... I got this, like, psychosexual submissive vibe off of her husband. Like, because hmm. she's kicking him out of his bed. Like, he's, he's, like, essentially begging to get into her bedroom. Right. And she's denying him. And he's on one knee and kisses her hand. And then, like, it's it's very, like, he's being denied something. It's and then like I'm not sure if it goes all to like the, to a sexual place, but I do feel like he is like this um, service oriented sub- submissive in a very kinky way to Adora. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know about like the I don't know if it's like sexual, but definitely the vibe here is that Adora runs everything. Yeah, you know, runs this town yeah. essentially. And like, what would he? What wouldn't he do for this woman? He's lying yeah. to her. He's he's propping up her ego. At the end, he like we see him biting his fist and screaming to maintain some sort of control uh, uh-huh. of 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 I don't know his reaction to the music he's listening to, uh, <laughs> to the chastity vice he's wearing. I I I don't know. I don't know. By by the way, can we? I, I've been wanting this. Has been in my notes for like three weeks running. Uh, what the hell is Alan's system? It looks like it's made out of 17 million identical gray boxes with readouts. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, there's a receiver, there's an amplifier, there's a turntable, there's... Uh, well, I mean, I, I, it's like, I, what what all? How many fucking boxes does it need to make this thing work? What do they all do? <laughs> what are their function? I think one of them just controls volume. <laughs> Maybe. It's a, it's a one foot by one foot square that right. just controls volume. Right. That's all it does. Yeah. How do you interact with it? It's a knob. That it's a knob. Big, that big knob. Just, yeah, just a big knob. right in the center. That's all it does. I can't. I don't know, man. It's crazy. That's a crazy system. It's a bookshelf system that takes up multiple bookshelves. Like yeah. a whole. You need the Library of Alexandria to house this bookshelf system that he's got. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get. It. Maybe that's why he's screaming. He realizes he has seventeen million boxes that all do the same thing. Yeah, and it looks so weird in that house. Yeah, like that house is an old Victorian style or whatever it is. Right. Queen Anne, I don't know what it's called. Slavery plantation. Yeah, it's, it's an old <laughs> plantation house, house essentially. Right. Uh, and then this ultra modern uh, brushed aluminum or whatever it is system that's like, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't like it. 
Um, I did like I. Uh, I did enjoy the scenes of Amma skating. I thought they were very interesting and arresting. Like when mm. we see her in like her short shorts and her crop top uh, skating to the pig farm, which I want to talk about in middle or here in a minute. And then her like roller rinking around and the the wraparound porch of her house while her mom's fucking around in the garden. I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe actually want to want to go roller skating. Yeah, I wish I was that graceful on skates. I don't. I don't. I don't, I, I don't think I am. No, she's she's pretty good. Yeah, you know no, she's, she's doing like, she's looking real graceful yeah uh, when she's doing the dance on the porch set set setting it to like music and stuff Uh um what is she doing on the pig farm man i holding pigs and taunting camille is that like she knows that camille's following right right but well yeah the smirk at camille's one thing but like i mean my my thought is she's picking up the pig for the greased pig festivities that we saw in the beginning of the episode or the teenage boys Maybe? are trying to catch the, like, you know. Sizing it up, yeah. If you don't know, if you've never been to a county fair no, in the boy. Midwest or the South, they like to grease up a pig with vegetable oil or shortening or Vaseline or what have you, and then you, you have the kids try to catch the pig, and if you can grab the pig. I You know, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't understand what happens. I think you, you, you catch the pig and you get the pig. You get to butcher it. Get to butcher it. it. Maybe they'll. they'll I don't know where. I don't know where they hand you like a live pig to do with it as you will, or you can like turn it over to the rendering plant and they'll just like (laughs) give you back bacon and sausage or, Uh or what. Um, But but yeah, that's maybe that's she's just it's just kind of relatively innocent that she's just the uh, the greased pig provider. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I I it was it was weird. It was weird because it felt illicit, and she knew her big sister was watching and. it was another part of their dance that I didn't quite get. Yeah, and I didn't know if the dance uh, was altered somewhere in the middle. Like, she was there for something else and then noticed Camille and decided to change her plan here or if that was the plan all along and it was innocent. Hmm. Couldn't tell you. The other thing I guess I could throw out there is, is like, you know, pigs are often used for, like, human analogs. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, like you know, when like, you're pulling teeth or something, sure, yeah. like that. But also to the <laughs> point where, like, you can use pig valve heart heart valves in humans and, yeah. and things like that. And there's, uh, I, there's, I don't know, will there be like some grisly need for like innards and remains and blood, or, or, or they're going to play some kind of weird prank to like get the cops' dicks hard about something, and then maybe I don't know, pig pig teeth, pig blood going to be going to be big big part of the season. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the inpatient facility scenes? Okay. What uh, do you think is a timeline on this? Uh, it's got to be pretty recent in my mind. Um, I think this is the get back on your feet thing. Okay. That the, the, her boss is talking about. Right, right. Uh, this is the thing that kind of sent her down another spiral. Uh-huh. which ended in her or maybe even began with her cutting her wrists right because yeah Again. I mean, you're already in a downward spiral for if you're checking yourself into a treatment facility for right cutting, and you're you're checking your in as you're dripping blood from your latest cutting yeah um i i thought that like even when she you, you could see the fixed scar at the end that it looked a little bit more livid than the other scars like implying that it was fresher okay so I, I thought it's yeah. like yeah this is gotta be like six months or so Mm-hmm. Before, but I but then again, we're in the height of summer. It didn't look like it was especially cold. 
but it's hmm. hard to tell because Camille wears the same clothes no matter if it's 110 degrees or right you know 30 below yeah that's true which uh, the midwest is capable of being both depending on the time of year uh, but yeah i i felt like Cecily thought it, i i think she disagreed with me but like i thought immediately that this was whatever happened here at the facility was the thing that the editor was referring to as the setback and uh, then by the end it seems pretty clear to me mm-hmm. that that's the case yeah um, what does fix refer to in that in this context? I don't know. These are these are sort of some of these are obscure to me. Um, vanish, I kind of understood. It's the girl leaving. Yeah. Um, what was the last one? Uh, dirt. 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 It's... I didn't quite understand as much. In this one, I think I I figured out less. I mean, I think there's the the idea that like somehow I mean, fix could refer to Camille herself. She's trying to fix herself. It could also. Okay. Refer to like she failed this little girl who's has a difficult relationship with her family, and now she's confronted mm. with multiple girls who have some weird dysfunctional relationship with their family. Although I don't know that that that's that applies to Natalie. Uh, it could also apply to her sister. That like you know here's literally a chance for me to save my little sister all over again that I wasn't able to do, and maybe I can mm-hmm. like I can fix her. Um, I don't know. I mean, I if the know. scar is that old than would have had to happen before she heard about all these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm, I'm saying like the context of it now is she's down here oh, okay. and like, cause, yeah. cause also it was, um, you know, when she's heading back to St. Louis, like as a, like an act of fleeing mm-hmm. or spitefulness, I guess, as the, as the road sign said, maybe the idea is that, she doesn't want to run away. She does want to fix the situation. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what do you think about the theory of Amma being the young, the, the actual daughter of Camille that Adora raised as her own? Oh, uh, I mean, that's still uh, on the table. Did you notice the, the um, subliminal thing going on when she was following uh, Amma, like on her roller skates, uh, she's following her on her Volvo and one of the 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 signs are on the building flashed baby uh, in connection with Anna, and people are like, ah, there you go. There's some there's some more. Tra- I Cecily made some, made a, a note when we were watching it last night that she didn't like that theory because what does it add and what does it take away? It adds mm-hmm. like a just a twist that oh, Emma's actually the daughter, but it takes away the parallel sister relationship she had with her other sister that died and. You know the 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 troubled like you know this is a this is a copy. I guess you still get that with mother and daughter, but you also get it with the sister. I don't know. I I kind of I'm persuaded the way that she's thinking that I don't know what revealing that that's actually her her daughter. What we gain by that? Yeah, I guess I'm I'm sort of gonna wait and see on that yeah. because I suppose there's stuff they could do with that that might yeah. be interesting. Uh nothing specific i can point to at the moment the other thing is i just feel like if that's true it's a surprise it would be a surprise to camille too because i'm just not getting although i don't know like i said they had this all this conversation about don't you ever want to have a baby and Mm -hmm. camille very i mean i i can see where they're building tracks of that but i'm i feel like it's a misdirect or maybe i want it to be a misdirect because i actually like (laughs) the the sister sister relationship better yeah um what else we want to talk about? Uh, oh, I guess we should talk about Willis's investigation. Yeah. Any idea what he's trying to do at the alley, or is he just 
I, I mean, he he notices that you can see from the alley to to where you can see Anne's memorial from the alley where Natalie was Natalie's body was found. Right. So there's some kind of connection there between the two, which in his mind does that say serial killer? Does that connect the chill, the kids? Right. Like, or were they hanging out that night and could maybe see it? And he kind of looks down the alley the other way, mm-hmm. and there's a car parked there, and we know he was investigating Bob's car. I don't know right. if that ties in in any way, but yeah, he's he's that clearly piques his interest and therefore mine. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know what to make of it yet. Um, I don't know. I, I am glad to see though him sticking to his guns and not spilling the details of his case to amy adams flirty eyes right because damn i don't know if i could i don't know <laughs> if i could but he does a great job uh and if you if, if you gave her guff she'd just show you the her fuck off scar and then, then yeah. what would you do um i do feel like i wonder what three questions she would ask him uh and whether like because because they got interrupted by her sister coming by and just carpet bombing everything with shit right um but I wonder, yeah, I wonder what what she would have asked and whether he would have given her straight answers. Because there's the other thing is like, man, there's wheels within wheels. There's people like the sh- the cop the the cop told on uh, uh, Camille and got her mom involved, but Camille told uh, Vickers information that the detective Willis had fed to her. Which got him riled up. Like, oh, you still think it's uh, truckers and Mexicans or something? Mm, right. Which is the only way she could have found that out is if she talked to the detective. I thought that was kind of shitty of her to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know sure that she's a good journalist. <laughs> she is just going for the throat immediately on these people that she should be building their confidence and, and l- lulling into, like, you know, some sort of, you know feeling of safety and she's burning her sources when they give a, a li- just like an a, like an ounce of resistance in two days like mm. you know tell me your dark tell me your d- darkest secrets about you know the person you're working with so i can go blab to them immediately <laughs> and get their reaction like yeah, I, but I, strategy maybe but i mean am i supposed to understand that that's her being a bad journalist or am i supposed to understand that maybe she's sa- sabotaging the investigation a little bit because she just wants to go back home Hmm. Like, like as soon as she filed that report, she wanted like, okay, I'm done. I got the collar. I got yeah. the got fucking dead girl's bedroom. It's time to go, right? And I feel like the the editor wants her to write this whole series. Yeah, which yeah, I kind of got intuitively in the first episode. I feel like Camille just doesn't want to recognize that that's actually what she's supposed to be doing there. Right. I don't think a single story. Uh, at least not the one that she wrote so far, is going to be the thing that makes her career. Yeah. So she's got to do more. Uh, one thing that threw me, this is like apropos of nothing, but uh, that when Camille's talking to Emma, uh, she says, Jodes told me you were over at their house today, and she's referring to Ashley. Uh is that Ashley's last name? Jodes? I I couldn't figure Jodes? that out. I, yeah. I don't know. I heard Jodes. I thought maybe she was talking about a friend named Jody or something. I did I, too, but she spe- specifically said that uh, at, you know you you came over to her and John's house, and huh. Ashley is the name of John's boyfriend. I don't I don't know. Is John Jodes? Hmm. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I guess it could be Jodes. I don't. John and Jodes. I don't know. It has two letters in common anyway. Um. All right. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Because we do have a bunch of feedback, too. No, let's get to that. I'm, I'm pretty much tapped out. 
Before we get to feedback, I just want to remind everybody that if you enjoy our work here on Sharper Objects, uh, Sharper Objects, sharp, <laughs> Sharper Image, if you'd like to buy a $6,000 foot massage chair, <laughs> if you'd like to help us buy a $6,000 oh, yeah. foot massage chair, go to club.baldmove.com. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, the reason we're able to cover shows like you know Giant, enormous shows like uh, Game of Thrones, they don't need sponsors. They pretty much pay their own way. But smaller shows like Sharper Objects and Better Call Saul and Fargo and stuff like that that you might enjoy, uh, you know, it, it, it's not as easy to find advertising and an audience for those shows. But So if you enjoy them, uh, we uh, encourage you to help support us here at Bald Move by going to club.baldmove.com. It's not just altruism. It's not just paying for stuff that's like free content because we produce a lot of other bonus content there's video versions of most of our podcasts we have ad free feeds uh vip sections and the forums um special features like quip and lunch with jim and aaron i know i'm forgetting a bunch but you can go to club.baldmove.com and see all the different extra features you get try those sample features for free you can get a uh, free 30-day trial by signing up at club.baldmove.com Okay, uh, let me scroll on down here. First up, we have Rob C. If you recall, Rob C. gave us uh, want to know if what we thought about this murder and the connection to Slenderman. And oh, we're right. like, we don't know what the fuck Slenderman is. I still don't. So he includes more detail about the reference. He goes, my main point was that Emma and her friends certainly could be cruel enough to have killed the girls. There's at least one anecdotal real-life case that is precedent. Slenderman is an urban myth-slash-internet-type story that was popular amongst kids a few years back. In 2014, two 12-year-olds uh, girls killed one of their friends, stabbed over 19 times, and claimed it was to appease the Slender Man. People initially thought the girls were disturbed, but it appears to be premeditated, and they were convicted. It was covered on the news after initial killing and recently after conviction. Uh, he also uh, linked me to some information about the case. And it does seem to be pretty grisly that these girls just just, just did it. Uh so, like, hmm. I mean, I don't need much convincing to think that, a, you know, 14, 15-year-old girls could murder people. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but, you know, it does happen. Um, so, wasn't that the Peter Jackson uh, Heavenly Creatures? Wasn't that kind of like a similar case, too? I've never seen. Or... You haven't seen that one? No. Uh, it stars the... <laughs> God damn it, the Titanic lady. Uh, uh, Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet. Yeah. I almost said Beckinsdale. Like, nah, she's the werewolf girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I mean... She wishes she had played Trinity in The Matrix. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I, I, I this is this is evidence that in real life, uh, preteen and teenage girls can be incredibly cruel and, and vicious killers in their own right. They're, and this they don't even need, like, a man to, to like, the whisper poison into their heads and to get to happen. They just can, you know, just stab a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duncan P. Uh, says, I'm so grateful you guys are covering Sharp Objects, especially with your family experience. What's well, interesting hearing some of the general coverage, having grown up with a narcissist, borderline, southern-type mother like Adora, I'm a constantly waiting for podcasters coming from non-borderline families to misunderstand how realistic she is or complain that Camille doesn't respond like they would. It's a relief to tune into your coverage and know that you guys get it. Uh, this episode... I don't of- even have that background. Can I just be clear? Like, I have... Yeah. Beyond the, the disowning thing because of religious beliefs, I have a pretty good relationship with my right. family. I don't think your mom or dad are narcissists 
borderline personality no, type people. No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think my mom is, and I know <laughs> okay. a lot of other family members. Yeah, so That's I will, the thing. I know a lot of people who I, have parents like I, this. I will totally back you up on this, Duncan P. <laughs> uh, this episode in particular went a long way to showing how each family member in orbit around the uh, narcissist suffers, whether they're the accomplice spouse, the favored child, or the scapegoat child, and that there's no end date or some sacred space that they won't show out. Her job, at the hospital, at a funeral, and nothing they won't make about themselves or your fault, including accidentally hurting themselves while upset. Oh, my God. That thing in the, the, rose, the rose garden. Yeah. Look at what you did. Like, I didn't even wreck into your fucking rose garden, you bitch. Oh, you don't take responsibility for anything. Like, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. Like, that's the one thing I learned and one of the reasons, like, I'm not, like, it's fucked up that my mom's disowned me, but I'm kind of cool with it because I'm free. I'm <laughs> yeah. free. Yeah. I don't have to try. Like, th- there's no amount of logic or reason that you can bring to bear to win an argument with these people. Mm-hmm. It's just an amount of like, how much do you want to degrade yourself and and subsume your personality in order to have a nominal relationship with them? So, like, it's kind of a relief that I, <laughs> that, that, that the the excommunication happened in my case. Um, no, I mean that that's one of the scenes that really. Uh, I guess stuck with me is the one where, uh, you know, Adora comes into Bob's house and she essentially kicks Camille out, you know, in the middle of an interview. Right. And then Camille after that is driving down the road just screaming at herself because yeah. she's so fucking mad right. that she let that happen. And and I, I thought Amy Adams did a great job of showing how quickly you can regress. Like she went from like a yeah. like again, maybe she's a bad journalist, but she's professional and she's getting somewhere and she's doing her job and her mom flies in and suddenly she is a sixteen year old girl grabbing mm-hmm. her purse and keys and being like, I'm no one understands me, I'm out of here and yeah. screaming it's like and it's a double humiliation because you're fully aware of how infant infantilized you're being yeah. and like and and by showing human emotion it's just making like the person seem like they're right mm-hmm. you know uh like <laughs> yeah i mean she's put in that position twice in this episode one right. in that scene and again when amma's you know telling her oh you're gonna do just what mom wants you to do right uh and she's got no good options there yeah yeah no, it it sucks. Like I, you know, my granddad passed away recently, and at the hospital when we we're in death vigil, it gets very fucked up that my mom is conspicuously ignoring my sister and I. <laughs> and when my family was trying to go up to talk to mom about it, my mom would defiantly say, "They know what they did. You should ask them." What the fuck are we supposed to say? Yeah. It's a it's a religious spat. That's why we're not speaking on the 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 eve of my grandfather's death. Like it doesn't make sense. They think. They think that we, we got to be lying or hiding some shameful thing. Mm. And my mom doesn't have to actually say what it is. She can just imply it. Right. And, you know, she's also too much of a fucking coward to just own her shitty poor decision. So I guess to do the same, you know, when they come to talk to you about it, just say she knows what she did. Right. Or I just be <laughs> I be I just roll my eyes and be like, whatever. Yeah. You at know, this point. like you guys all know my mom because we're all in the same family. <laughs> Why are we even having this conversation? It's weird. But there you know, there you get. And it's like you get all these hangers on and everybody has their p- part to play. Um, anyway, let me get back to... I got derailed with my own personal <laughs> shit, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> um, it also showed that each of these family members, including Alan, for the first time, has hidden personalities and compartmentalized rage. Alan tries to leverage his sympathy and charm to get into his wife's bed, but she shuts him down saying, I'm sure that won't be necessary. 
he has to go back to being the Ken doll, endlessly spinning a soundtrack for her life-size dollhouse and screaming impotently into his fist. How many pigs has this man fucked? <laughs> How many pigs? <laughs> Every single one that well, comes through? Uh, well, you know, Adora... <laughs> If you want to say, like, human behavior can turn make you a pig, I, <laughs> okay. I submit that Adora is a fucking pig. The number's not zero. The m- number's not zero. Uh, I recognize the fast drive of rage screaming from Camille and the instinct to be savage from Amma, but Amma seems well on her way to surpassing Adora as she's quite aware of her own manipulation of others. Mm-hmm. Some children learn to desi- uh, survive narcissist personality disorders while others observe how the world revolves around them, covet it, and become that. And I... I that's a thing like I don't want to impugn ill intent to Amma because like coping strategies that you come up with as a child are very hard to shake mm-hmm. and like it's a perfectly rational response to to see people be victimized uh to say well I'm not going to be the victim I'd rather perpetrate than have it perpetrated on me yeah it's shitty but it's also a rational response to this kind of abuse so uh, Joshua F. Uh, ask what year is this set in? Is this modern times today? I've grown up and around smaller towns in the south and still live in and near them. Most of the people today have social media addictions, high-speed internet, smartphones, air conditioning. Many don't have noticeably strong accents, etc. Just like anywhere else, uh, anyone else who isn't being interviewed about a tornado or flood by the local news. I mean, it's clearly in the era of the iPhone. Yeah, maybe like ten years ago. Maybe five years ago? Possibly, yeah. Um, when was the book written? Do we know? I think it was like, yeah. Um, I, I think it was like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Okay. Um, well, that would make sense. Do you agree yeah. with his characterization about small towns? Because that didn't ring true to me. Uh, with everybody being addicted to novels, so it was 12 years ago, yeah. Damn, that's actually... Okay, so this doesn't take place contemporary with the article because... Like, the iPhone wasn't even out until 2007. Okay. So, yeah, I think it's so, like they might have set it into... I, I, I have no trouble believing that this is modern modern day. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, this town is supposed to have 2,000 people in it. That's a really small fucking town. It is, yeah. Even the town that I lived in in Indiana was right. bigger than that. Right. Um, but, you know, like, i definitely been in small towns in southern Indiana where, like, the accents are really strong and... You know, like, uh, there might be, some of this might be anachronistic about the smartphones and all that kind of stuff, and the people aren't as obsessed by it, but, like, I don't know. Um, it There's there's a lot of, like, that provincialism and ignorance and, and, and stuff that I've seen anyway, because I have also, and this isn't, like, the South, this is the Midwest, maybe, I don't know. People are, but, uh, I, I, like I said, I, it, just, it felt real to me, is all I can say, Josh. Um, I wonder if this is meant to depict authentic small-town America in 2018 and if people from bigger cities who don't travel to small-town America much actually think this is what it's like. Um, I mean, I, what is it really like? Like, they are overly involved in each other's lives, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of catty bullshit, and there is a lot of economic despair, and there there is a lot of shitty policing, really shitty policing done. That's the other thing I can talk about small towns, their police departments. <laughs> You know, like, hey, we caught a teenager speeding. Let's get all six squad cars down here and fucking take their seats apart. And I'm like, I mean, that shit happens. Right. It's, uh, you know, everybody's got their problems, I guess. Um, Bird wrote in and said, we heard from another character, Anne's dad, that the killer's a man because I just know. He states that women in Wind Gap kill with their words, not their hands. He fails to ask himself if that's what they're effective or if they're that effective without using their hands, what happens when they do? Mm. 
Interesting. So, see, I was taking that from, like, maybe this is a... Uh, maybe a woman put a man up to doing something, but he's actually saying, like, if they're vicious with their words, when that stops working, what happens? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, every female character seems a dangerous and skilled manipulator, except for the flyer lady. Uh, Camille, Adora, <laughs> Celia Hodes, uh, yeah. Emma, who is super scary in this episode. She appeared to really get to Camille, maybe even more than their mother. And now Ashley joins the fray. She had all uh, had her hand up John's ass, working his mouth during that interview. The task of solving crime likely committed by a woman is in the hands of two men. It makes Camille especially valuable as to the Kansas City detective. Not only is she welded to Wind Gap, she brings an insightful female mind to the table. He recognizes this, and I think he may have been merely trying to create some distance with this threat in the diner, either as a negotiating tactic or out of fear that he's becoming too entangled. Um, like I said, my, my read on that was that he was legitimately pissed at her for, like, taking the one morsel he gave her and running and telling the chief about it. Mm-hmm. And I could totally see being that pissed about that. Yeah. Cause they don't have a great relationship anyway. Like you got a tenuous relationship with the, your colleague and then you talk to another colleague about it and they stir up more shit. Like fuck that person. Right. Why are you going to, why are you going to continue to feed them any information? <laughs> what you do is you feed them what you want to get out. Right. You know, feed them things that you think will, stir the town to talk more to you here's a question uh why do you, how much of will detective willis dick willis dick willie oh yeah it's, it's richard yeah it must be yeah it must be how much of him wanting the real scoop about wind gap uh from camille is interest in the actual crime how much of it just is him casually interested in maybe getting into her pants and how much of it is just loneliness and wanting to talk to another fellow outsider because everyone Hmm. here treats him like shit that's a good question uh because i i do think it's a mix of all three although i would say wanting to get into her pants is probably the least mm, i was gonna say actually getting background in the town i don't think he gives a fuck i don't think he thinks he needs to understand anything about this bullshit to solve the, the case huh really because I, I thought, you know, the things he said about that and the importance of understanding the history of this town and how it all works would lead him uh, potentially to the killer. Yeah, could, could be right. Because it seems like they, don't have, they have very little forensically to go on. Yeah, and this is a man who talks a lot about the psychology of the killers, right? And, and, and under, in order to understand, you know, how the killer thinks, you need to understand how he relates to the people around him. Uh, what his his or her status? I'm I'm using the the male form here, which mm-hmm. uh, is a problem that you know the chief falls into. Mm-hmm. But I I think yeah he he does have an idea that getting the full scoop on this town is going to help him solve the case. Right. I I don't know. I don't know. Get in I your guess... pants. Uh, uh, hmm. Uh, he seems perfectly willing to not get in her pants, right. which I appreciated. Yeah, it's wild. It's almost like his hitting on her is so broad as to be easily dismissible. Or, yeah, like he's like not veiling really, yeah, his attempts to get information out of her, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. The same way kind of she's doing, like, you know. Right. Uh, They're both, like, leading each other on. Yeah, but in a way that's, like, you're not... I, I didn't feel... Like, like, either this guy has no game at all, uh-huh. or he is being kind of like i don't know broad and hammy and easy to shoot down just so 
I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't quite figure it out mm-hmm. because like it's a, he he lurched between being angry with her and kind of sullen, dismissive to like suddenly kind of like maybe he's just literally giving her her, her own medicine. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Kate, I believe someone like Camille would have been a great mom. She would have known how not to be uh, if she had gotten away from a door in time or had a chance for different escape mechanisms. So much dam- damage rippling out from that woman. Um, maybe that's she, interesting. Maybe she is a mom. She would probably be a bad mom in well, that case. But Right. I mean, I don't know because, like, there is – I mean – it could go either way because sure. you you certainly know the damage that was caused by by your parents' behavior to you. Although I don't know that everyone is that self aware. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's like, well, yeah, my mom and was and or my dad was tough, but they uh, we had to be because that's the fucking world we live in and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then also like knowing is one thing, but getting your heart and your head engaged at the same time when you have all this molding that's happened to you and all this trauma happened to you, like it's very easy in the, in the, in the heat of the emotion and parenthood is a lot of emotions all the time. Um, it's really easy to kind of go to dark places, I think. No. And I think, you know, she doesn't do an amazing job with Alice in this episode. I know she's not her mom, but she's sort of playing that, that role in those scenes and you know when alice asks her you know does this get better does will things change for me will i be okay with my family later and she just says no Mm. you survive that's mm. i i mean it's honest but it's not particularly comforting and we see the results of it you know you saying that had me thinking maybe her relationship with amma is a direct reaction to her failure with Alice. It's kind of like a Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of deal where like I was honest with this woman and I was permissive and tried to like really understand and like, you know, kind of like emotionally confront and and coddle her. And with Emma, she is not telling her the full truth about her, her past life and her past experiences and also Mm -hmm. not trying to understand or be the cool person that's going to, swipe the iPod so we can get to hell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and also, she took their eye off the ball. Like, you know, she left that girl alone for just five minutes, and I feel like she feels responsible for that because she had the temerity to think that, oh, well, I'll just make t- I'll do, do 10 minutes iPod time, and this girl is going to be A-OK. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't and, know. and to your point, you know, about getting your head and your heart together, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you can understand how you're your family and your upbringing fucked you up and still not be able to break that cycle. Right. Even if you, you intellectually get it. Right. I mean, how do you change those patterns? You know, yeah. you might not be able to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, you know, didn't ever change the oil in your car and your engine seized up, you might be able to be like, ah, pff, see where I fucked up here, but mm-hmm. fixing the damage could be beyond you unless yeah. you're um, happen to be a mechanic. Uh, so, um, yeah, good points. Uh, we're not even finished with Kate's feedback. She says, uh, I hope the writing and directing maintain a consistency of shaky viewpoint and stifling atmosphere for the remaining episodes. This won't be a fun experience, but God, I find the quiet intensity fantastic. Mm-hmm. The few scenes that aren't from Camille's viewpoint almost give me some relief, even if the scenes themselves are creepy or alarming. I also hope Adora's betrayal doesn't step over the line in character as she came pretty close this time. Uh, like I said, I, I, I don't know, man. It, it feels it still continues to feel real because if you don't know anybody as crazy as Zora, then count your blessings because <laughs> it sucks. Uh, yeah. Anything else or should we move on to Walt? Uh, I, I did want to say that I think, 
you know, I make the comment that not that you might not be able to break the cycle, even if you understand intellectually what's happening. I want to say I do think that Camille is a very smart woman. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have that conversation when they're laying on the car about being beautiful and what is it? Something and intelligent. Uh, it was a beautiful, charming and smart. Yeah. Beautiful and charming gets you pretty far. Smart gets you out yeah. of, of wind gap. Yeah. Uh, I think she is smart. Mm-hmm. And she understands everything that's happening to her, but she does seem somehow impotent to change it. Um, yeah. And the thing is, even if you can, a lot of times you sit, you're not going to escape without scars. And, like, you know, I'm not just talking about the physical ones, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, even if you can kind of come to... She'll probably... I mean, she's forever going to be changed by these experiences, and there's nothing she can do to, like, be okay. Like, what she right. can do is survive and and kind of, like, accept, but, you know, that's the, the kind of best you can hope for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you get your legs blown off in a war, you're not going to get those legs back. You might get yeah. some decently functioned mechanical ones, but them legs are never growing back. No. Unless you get that fancy gel from Mars yeah. from the Expanse. And that's not real. <laughs> right. That's just science fiction. <laughs> and I'm honestly not sure that Camille's going to make it out of this series. Yeah. Because I, I don't know that I don't know that her scars are going to heal. Uh-huh. That her emotional scars. I mean, I'm always rooting for... Because like, I feel like it's pretty bleak to show that a person that's through this can't survive and have some form of like happiness and peace. But it also is thematic if she would to like you know die in some dramatic confrontation so that others might live and you know I don't know yeah maybe uh, Walt M on a previous podcast you two had discussed the recurring fan motif and possible explanations for it uh, with that in mind I just rewatched the title sequence and was struck by how much it details in circulation imagery not just the fans but also the record player the young couple dancing what appears to be a spider spinning around its prey. On the surface, this could either refer to Camille's journey home, her return representing a cyclical path, uh, ending at the place where one began, time's a flat circle. <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming these visuals are multi-layered and we may see some greater payoff by the end of the series run. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That good. it's not just fans and the dancing, and sp- but this is all metaphors for rotation and orbiting and... Yeah, and you know, being stuck in a rut like like a record player that's at the end will just sit there and spin and spin and spin in that groove. <laughs> uh, these characters are trapped in these repeating cycles generationally. Uh, Jamie T, uh, Tom and Lorenzo of Mad Style fame, the Mad Men costume anal- anal- analyzers analyzers has said that they'll be doing costume analysis for this show and i'm so excited either stepfather has a noose around his neck or he's gay with that yellow cardigan draped around like that i was also wondering how people who have good families or lives would see camille answering does it get better with you survive or whatever it is so many of these shows get away with absolute schlock when trying to depict that sort of thing yeah i get it mm-hmm like, you know, there's endless amount of people to be like, you know, if you have problems with your parents, be like, oh, well, you just need to have it out or you live and let live. Or like, <laughs> how do you live and let live in a situation like this? How do you, you leave? You leave wind gap. And how, you... <laughs> how do you fight for a relationship in this type of situation? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> where the other person has, again, no tether to logic or reason. It's all yeah. emotion from their point of view. And they're not they're not they're not they're not acting in good faith. Look, I am firmly of the opinion that there are people in your life that you need to leave behind. Mm-hmm. The the people who are toxic, mm-hmm. uh, the people who don't care about you, 
leave them in the fucking dust because they will only drag you down. And I think in this situation, the only thing you can do is leave. Yeah. I'm I'm not for running from everything, but from some people, that's all you can do. Yeah. I wonder if there's some way she could, like, split the difference. Like, you find your own, you find a new family, or you find, you make a family. Sure. Or, like, you know, fuck this family, but there'll be other people that will care about you. Mm Because it was pretty, pretty fucking bleak. But then again, Camilla's in, she's committed herself into an institution to get better because she's not fucking emotionally healthy. Yep. So like, how are you gonna expect this woman to, to to give like advice that's essentially, hey, you know, just keep, you know, hang in there, kitten. See that poster? That's what you got to do. I I view the true villain of this entire series, not the murderer of the children, uh, but her boss for sending her back into this situation. Oh yeah yeah yeah, playing armchair psychologist. God. He's he's playing with loaded weapons and he doesn't yeah. doesn't even know it. Uh yeah. Yeah, that's a you, you. You heard us, <laughs> fucking old kindly editor is the villain. Yeah, he is. And you're gonna find out when he pull off his mask, he killed those little girls all along. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Caleb Thrower, my takeaway is: I think mom committed the murders, and the town sheriff oh, knows about it. Wait a second. Uh oh. How 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 sick circular? How cyclical would it be? If the editor actually committed these murders as some way to try and help Camille by sending her back <laughs> to solve these crimes that he committed. It's death therapy, Bob. <laughs> right. um, yeah, that would be pretty. That would be sick. That would be cyclical. It'd be fucked up. Be sick. Uh, Caleb Thrower. Uh, I think the mom committed the murders in the town. Sheriff knows about it. That explains why Adora is constantly interrupting Camille's efforts to gain information and passing it off as if Camille bringing up bad memories to the victims. I think she's a bad person, an asshole, but, like, I guess your theory also explains it, Caleb. Hmm. Uh, they yeah. continue to lay tracks of Amma's Camille's daughter in the previews for next week's episode. Hint to that as well. Shit, maybe I shouldn't have read that. Everybody's watching the previews, right? Not me. Not you? Nope. Uh, you don't see them on the live show, but it's weird how, like, if you watch them the next day, they just append it to the credits. Oh. Okay. It's weird. I watched this at, like, 10.30 last night. Ah. Yeah, I did, too. I, like, yeah, I, I typically watch this pretty live because I'm... Uh, oh yeah, I watch this like nine fifteen because I'm pretty I'm pretty into this show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I start like Saturday night. I start thinking about. Hmm, I wonder what's gonna. <laughs> wonder what the next week's gonna be about. What kind of fucked up shit's gonna, we're gonna see? Uh, Johnny Truant. Amma seems almost too shady at this point to be a suspect. But I thought it was interesting that she said something along the lines of "My friends will do anything for me." Bob Nash later says, "In this town, women talk and people die." Yeah, we already talked about that. What do you think about the fact that there's so much heat on Emma this episode that she's too <laughs> too much of a... I mean, it's just the third episode, right? Sure. We got to go with the Dwight Schrute medium suspect theory. Like, Emma and Adora and the cop, there's like a lot of Mr. Cop Vickers or Sheriff Vickers or Officer Vickers or Chief Vickers. A lot of heat and light on these people. Three episodes in, they can't really be the killer, right? Probably not. Yeah, I, I wouldn't guess so. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye like because Jackie wasn't in this episode at all. Like if if we don't see her for like three more episodes, I'm gonna start suspecting Jackie just because she was a <laughs> submarine that popped up, stuck her periscope at the beginning of the series, and she just kind of disappears. Yeah, and we're going down all these wild goose chases, and it was Jackie all along. Flyer lady, flyer lady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's collecting her, yeah. She's she's collecting her trophies. These these flyers yep. are trophies from the victims. She kept families. Anna's. She yeah. keeps them in her desk. Keeps them in her dress. Stack investigate them. this lady. She's gonna have a. She's gonna have all kinds of stacks by the time <laughs> this is done. Stacks on stacks. 
Josh the Black, adding fuel to the Camille as Amma's mother theory. The word baby appears in the building while uh, Camille is following Amma in the car. We talked about that. Why was Alan screaming into his fist at the end? Was it from frustration at the emotional distance that Dora was kept him at for so long or something else? The man hasn't had an orgasm in five years. <laughs> and he thought, he thought the cosmos was aligning. Yeah. And now, I mean, he's... He's married to Adora. Do we need to do a lot of deep dives? Like there, I could think of a half dozen reasons he could be screaming into his fist right now. The fact that mm-hmm. his wife is doing to his daughter the same thing she did to her daughter. The fact that you know she's clearly trying to play doll with this grown-up woman who's sneaking out. By the way, how does Emma get her you know bad girl clothes? I, that's a real good question. Does her mom give her like milkshake money and she saves up for weeks and then buys shit from whatever? Maybe she borrows it from her friends. Maybe she's just got a oh, lot of loaner clothes. I guess you could do that. She she gives him cash yeah. on the side for that, or or they're just friends and she says, "Hey, let me borrow your overalls." Okay, your your very short overalls. Because even if she got the money, like where in Wind Gap are they selling? Yeah, hot teenage girl clothes. It's a stitch fix. I don't know. Like the, the fucking Walmart that's on the outskirts of town? Getting them shipped in. <laughs> They're all online on their phones. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Having the delivery. You just Amazon. You just Amazon yep. it. Um, let's see. Why? Okay, so we talked about Alan. Um, what the fuck was Amma doing with the pig at the slaughterhouse? You're really a young, budding sociopath. My theory is it's, this is a, some sort of a grease pig, pig in a poke type of thing, like we saw in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that's their uh, Lord of the Flies, you know? Like, that's the piggy for their Lord of, Midwest Lord of the Flies. Right. They've moved on from bonfires to dark pig-based sacrifice. I could be wrong here, but I think all the music in this show has so far been diegetic. I wonder if that will change now that mm. Camille has thrown out Alice's phone. If you don't know, diegetic means, like, from within the scene. Like, mm-hmm. like, like. You know, it's just when when a character turns on their car radio and it starts playing the like shitty speaker version of I don't know Leonard Skinner, and then the scene cuts and they're cr- cruising down the road and it's playing it in like glorious surround sound. Yeah, that's diegetic music. Uh, if so, now that we threw Alice's uh, phone, where are we going to get the the music? Uh, gonna have... It's gonna just be bad radio. I what guess. if there is no music going forward? Because <laughs> yeah. because uh, that's one thing Camille said that she's not really in the music, right? And like this right. is maybe an affectation that she, is like a Walter White style deal, cutting mm-hmm. off the crusts and all that, like the guilt. Yeah, and now like maybe this is a positive that she's throwing away that guilt. Um, it would be weird because like to me, I feel like uh, this show has kind of been defined. Uh, not and it's look and feel not just by it's look and feel but also it's sound mm-hmm. and they just went away and it's like now no more they're not going to get the lead out anymore I don't I don't know what it sounds like <laughs> maybe it sounds like nothing yeah uh, any last minute thoughts Jim nope if you'd like to send us feedback you can do so at two places TV at baldmove.com or on our forums we have a weekly non-spoiler forum thread that's important because we know that the book has been written it's been out for many many years and people have read it uh we are trying to figure it out on our own. So please do not uh, send in spoilers to either place. Um, And I would greatly appreciate it. We'll be back next week for episode four. Uh, Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Later.